Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we are co-learners on a journey to uncover stories, concepts, and themes of what makes us human. I'm Joy Bork, your wonder guide for the next few moments while we explore questions, learn more about people, and follow where curiosity leads. This season, we've followed my curiosity into discovering more about hope, books, pizza, storytelling, music, and road trips. We're down to the final two episodes of season one. Today's episode, ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. <laughs> this jingle immediately brings me back to hot summer days on the Ash Street cul-de-sac. On occasion, I was granted permission to engage with the ultimate fee-for-experience exchange of my young life, getting ice cream from the ice cream truck. Thinking back on it now, I don't think the exchange was quite worth it. Because, you know, the flavor of the bubblegum ball embedded in the baseball glove ice cream never lasted more than 10 seconds. And the ice cream itself wasn't that great. But the experience. Can we talk about that? It was empowerment. I walked up. I paid. I ordered. I transacted. Ha <laughs> ha. A proud moment of agency. Thanks, ice cream truck, for your brightly colored and interestingly shaped treats and for teaching me that I can order food for myself. But more important, even deeper, and more life-changing than that experience, if you have ever met my parents or if you've ever been to the Bork house for dinner, you know one thing is always a given. After dinner comes ice cream. Before you just say, yeah, 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 I get it, let me add more detail here. These aren't just casual scoops of vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup. Oh, oh no. These are round, dense scoops of decadent ice cream. Don't look away for a moment or you'll end up with five or more scoops of ice cream in your bowl in a heartbeat because my dad is swole and fast. Ain't no ice cream too hard for him. And yes, this is a my dad scoops ice cream better than your dad scoops ice cream moment because you know what? I believe it's true. If you believe otherwise, email me. Let's coordinate a virtual scoop off. I mean, assuming our dads agree to this and all, but I digress. Before you can receive these sculpted scoops, You've got to pick what you want from the literal smorgasbord of options in front of you. Guess how many flavors make up a smorgasbord? Like, I'm talking about so many flavors that I felt like Gus Gus from Disney's animated Cinderella every time I was sent to the garage freezer to grab the collection of creamy delight. I perfected my technique so that I could hold a casual 10 or more flavors at once, all in one precarious stack. I felt impressive and stressed, but mostly impressive. The look of awe would descend on the faces of our first time guests as our returners looked at them with a look of, hmm, I told you, on their faces. I didn't really realize how unusual a spread like this was until later in life. I mean, 
most people I know love ice cream, but apparently they don't stock more than five flavors? It was a given that most times we hung out or ran an errand with dad that ice cream cones would be involved. But until recently, I didn't really slow down enough to ask dad and mom why ice cream is so important to us. So let's kick this episode off with some stories from dad. Hi, I'm Wayne. I'm Joy's dad. So I'm going to tell you a story about when I was a little boy and uh, on special events, especially when uh, my dad went to the farm equipment dealer. On the way back, we would stop and have ice cream at a custard place. So it was always a tradition that uh, if we passed this custard place that we pull in and have that. So that was an early tradition that got established within our family. Dad loved ice cream and so did I. So it was a good time where we got to do something together like that. So ice cream had an early start in our family in that regard and a lot of good memories with ice cream. When dad told this story to me recently, I saw it through a different lens. This is why my dad brings a huge love of ice cream to the table. But how do we get to the level of the famed suborkmus board, as I just decided to call it? When I was running a training center for the company I was working for, I was in charge of hosting guests who came to the training center to visit and go through training courses and be there to watch and observe. My predecessors had a reputation that their ways of entertaining and hosting the people after the training courses was in things that were probably not the best to repeat here. And uh, they weren't necessarily uh, real exciting things that I would enjoy doing. And so given that, um, I had to come up with an alternative. And rather than going out to some of the places they would go at nights with their guests, uh, I had to come up with something that would be an experience something you could kind of talk about, something that uh, would be unique. And so the, the idea that I got was having, uh, I think we had around 14 flavors of ice cream, and then we had multiple toppings, and then we have fruit to go with it. And essentially you could lay all that out as a spread. And when the guests came by, it was an experience to remember. I've had a lot of stories of people who talked about that and it was a great time to showcase you guys as kids as well. You guys were often small and you'd come up and uh, have stories you would tell around the table and get conversation with some of my fellow workers, which was always a treat. This was real. This was my normal. A suborkmus board of eight to 14 flavors of ice cream populated the garage freezer on a regular basis. Our cabinets were stocked with almost any topping you could want, including cherries and whipped cream, all for the purpose of creating community and joy-filled memories. And the ice cream brand that fueled it all? Brahms. Ever since forever, Brahms has been a brand of lore in the Bork household. So naturally, my dream was to interview someone from Brahms for this podcast. And would you believe it? My dream came true. Everyone, meet. I'm Amanda Bouchard. I'm the public relations director for Brahms. And I handle just a little bit of everything. I was rather giddy when we got to talk. Amanda told me all the Brahms things that my heart and mind could dream up. 
So let's start at the very beginning. Well, Brahm started off as a butter processing company, actually. Henry Brahm, the original founder, had a small one-man shop in Emporia, and he did butter processing and eventually started farming and added milk to that as well. And he loved to farm and he wanted to be able to make it profitable. And so in 1940, he started doing ice cream. On top of that, he started with the butter and the milk and then added on the ice cream. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And essentially that's still what we do today. We have 290 stores in Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, Missouri, and Texas and still expanding. And we do everything from the very start to the very finish. So we start with the milk and the cream and everything, and then process the whole thing, make all the ice cream, do all the ingredients, and then sell it in our own store. We do most of our own baked goods, ice cream cones, the ice cream, the dairy products. Quality has always been their philosophy quality ingredients, quality product, rich product, creamy product. That's what makes their ice cream stand out above other ice cream companies. I love origin stories that come from the love of or passion towards something. And Brahms continues that passion as they're still family owned and operated. My sister and I attended university in Tulsa, Oklahoma and had the joy of regularly going to Brahms. I secretly think dad loved that we went to school by a Brahms because that meant he could bring some back home with him to our then home, which was outside of the Brahms service radius of 325 miles from their Tuttle, Oklahoma base of operations. Anyways, diving into research for this episode opened a whole new vein of curiosity. Welcome to the deep dive of all the things I've ever wanted to know about ice cream. My food scientist friend Jen, who worked in developing ice cream and dairy products for 15 years of her career, and who you heard in the pizza episode, is back to tell us about the science of ice cream. Let's back the train up a little bit and start with the definition of ice cream. Ice cream is created by taking certain milk components that you have to freeze while you stir to incorporate air into them. It has to have a certain amount of butter fat, a certain amount of milk solids. You can only add so many other extra ingredients. Ice cream is highly defined by the government, which is very interesting to me. But on the humanitarian side of me, I would define ice cream really as a unifier because who doesn't like ice cream? I know one human, Kathy who we heard from in the Hope episode. I actually don't like ice cream. I mean, I'll do sherbet, it's okay. I respect that. And it's interesting to me. Kathy likes sherbet, but not ice cream. This has got me thinking, what are the official categories in the ice cream spectrum and what makes them different? I would say there's light ice cream. So it has the right amount of milk solids in it, but obviously it's lower fat. Regular ice cream has to have at least 8% milk fat in it. It has to be frozen while it's stirred, and it has to have a certain level of milk solids. So anything that's outside of those parameters is not ice cream. To call something a custard or French vanilla, you have to add egg yolks to it. So the finished product has to have 1% egg yolk solids in it. Gelato does not have a definition, so you can make it ice cream, make it not ice cream. Typically though, the expectation for gelato is that it is lower fat, 
but it has lower overrun. Overrun is the measurement to how much air you incorporate into ice cream. So if you go pick up two containers of ice cream in a store, they both could be half a gallon, they may not weigh the same. And that's because one may have more air whipped into it than the other. So gelato typically is, is kind of extra creamy because it does have low air in it too, but it will be low fat. Sorbet is dairy free. It is a mixture of water, sugar, and then usually fruit, like a fruit puree. You may add fruit chunks later. And so you basically are, are whipping ice, if you will. So the key to that is while you're mixing it, you have some chemical components that are keeping it from getting super icy and keep it creamy. Otherwise, you think of what goes into a basic popsicle, and that's basically a sorbet, except a popsicle is just frozen. We would call everything else a frozen dessert. I mean, I knew there was a science behind this, but in chatting with both Jen and Amanda, I realized there is science behind this. So basically, in my humble opinion, this all means that ice cream is magic, right? One of my Amanda friends sent me the literal perfect story to support my point that ice cream is magic. Hello, this is Amanda from Chicago. When I was a kid in the 80s, ice cream was a go-to dessert for my family, often with Hershey syrup and carnation malted milk powder. This may be common enough, but we did what I now realize is a strange thing. We kids would stir and stir and stir our ice cream in our little Tupperware bowls until it reached soft serve consistency, at which point it would cease to be ice cream and had magically become power. Yes, power. None of us knows how we came up with the name or, or where this came from, but of course it was the 80s, so we all agree on the plausibility of a tie-in with He-Man and She-Ra which really is kind of awesome and adorable. Please note, however, that unlike He-Man declaring, I have the power, our power lacked a definite article. One may turn ice cream into power, but it was never the power. So there's that. I distinctly remember the creation of power to be, as are most things in the grand tradition of siblings, competitive. Everybody at the table could achieve power, but there were definite gloating rights in achieving power first. My three siblings, however, have zero recollection of competition, so I guess I was just competing with myself. After consuming our soupy power, we would rush to the living room and try to pick up the coffee table to see if the power had successfully made us stronger. How cute were we? Shockingly, my sister was allowed to use the microwave to get a head start on making power by virtue of being the baby of the family. But I will forever contend that this was cheating. You heard me, Lisa. Woo, man, ice cream is power. I used to stir my ice cream until it was melty too. Then I ate it with a baby spoon because I wanted the experience to last as long as it possibly could. So now you know that about me. Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone has a favorite flavor of ice cream. And I love this. Ice cream is flexible. There's got to be a flavor out there for everyone. Out of curiosity, I asked Amanda what the first flavors were at Brahms. Um, I know for sure the basics. 
so your chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, but they didn't really technically develop those. They were regular flavors that were known. I know that butter pecan and black walnut were a few of our first specialty flavors. Chocolate chip cookie dough, mint chocolate chip, and Rocky Road. In 1933, when Ron first started, you know, ice cream was kind of a thing that was for people who had money and could go do that. So he wanted to make quality ice cream that was affordable. And to this day, bronze ice cream is still cheaper than the higher end ice cream place. And I feel like comparable in quality, if not better. I agree. My biased opinion is that Brahms is better. I'm grateful that ice cream has been developed in such a way to be approachable and affordable. The world is better with ice cream in it. Amanda told me that in the restaurants, Brahms has 27 flavors. 27! But in the freezer section of the stores attached to the restaurants, they have over a hundred flavors. And now I'm wishing I lived in the Brahms zone of freshly delivered goodness. The process of developing a new flavor of ice cream is mind-blowing to me. I asked Jen what is her favorite flavor that she ever developed for brands to purchase from her employer, a provider of commercial food flavors. One of them was a lemon berry pound cake, so it was a lemon custard base. It had what we call a mixed berry swirl through it and then pound cake pieces. And that flavor in particular was launched by at least three different clients. But then it also won an award at an annual ice cream meeting that's put on by the IDFA, a lobbying group in DC for the dairy industry as a whole. So every year they have a competition for the best new flavor that is being launched and then the best new flavor that's been developed that's not on the market yet. So two years in a row, we won that, the best new flavor yet to be launched. And then for several years, we've had contenders in that contest, or we've had clients that have launched our flavor and won. So that's super exciting. But number one, lemonberry pound cake was one of my favorite flavors, but then it just ended up being successful and a little bit different. What? That is amazing. Ice cream is so much more than I ever imagined. There's a yearly conference for it. I love this. I asked my friends and Facebook crew to tell me about their favorite flavors, and man, y'all delivered. Here are the voices of Here We Are's listeners in one minute and 20 seconds of celebrating favorites. Ferrero Rocher. It's like chocolate hazelnut. Black cherry. Peppermint. It's a black forest ghetto. Mint chocolate chip. I want to say Rocky Road, but I haven't had it in a while. So Ben and Jerry's super fudge chunk. I think my absolute favorite is cookies and cream. Butter pecan, which my friends always say old people like, but I really like it. And mine is pretty much anything bluebell. I'm not even choice. I like homemade bluebell ice cream, vanilla. My favorite ice cream flavor is strawberry. I like the strawberry with the chunks in it. Is there in everything? Pistachio. <laughs> uh, well, actually, mine is moose tracks. My favorite ice cream flavor is chocolate chip cookie dough. The more cookie dough, the better. Oh, man. Black raspberry chocolate chunk from Graders out of uh, Ohio. Second would be fresh peach from Homer's in Wilmette, which they only offer during the summer season when peaches are at their ripest. Chocolate? Uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. Brownies and cream. 
homemade brownies and homemade custard. For the last year, it's been vanilla with black cherry in it from Jewel. Before that, for about four years, it was spumoni. You know, I always go back to pop up with you. I was trying to figure out a way to creatively represent everyone that contributed their favorite flavors and spunk on Facebook, and I realized there just isn't enough time for that. So I tallied up the submitted flavors by hand, which I'm questioning now that my hand hurts, and I'll give you the top five-ish rated flavors. Number one, chocolate peanut butter. Number two, chocolate chip cookie dough. Third and fourth are a tie between vanilla and moose tracks. Fifth, sixth, and seventh are a tie between strawberry, mint chocolate chip, and pecan pralines and cream. Side note, I will eat any of these flavors, except mint chocolate chip, should anyone want to buy me ice cream at any point in time for any reason. I generally accept with gladness. So now that I know the results of our little straw poll on Facebook... I asked Amanda from Brahms what the most sold flavor is. Well, I know for sure the most sold is vanilla. Yeah. I know. <laughs> vanilla. Yes. It's the number one flavor in the world. Did you hear those gaps in there? Yeah, that was me being speechless. Vanilla. My friend Jason had a point. Almost everything starts with vanilla. So I guess that helps a bit. I'm just so surprised that with all the good things available in the world, that plain old vanilla wins. But here we are. One thing I absolutely love is listening to the stories that come into the storyline. Here's my friend Matt to share about a bond he made over ice cream. This is Matt Lasso. This is actually one of, if not my earliest memory. So I'm two or three years old at this time. We lived in Connecticut. My dad was in the Navy, and my entire family on both sides of my parents' side were living in the Chicago area. And for some reason, my great-grandfather came out to Connecticut, and he takes me out to an ice cream shop. So I think this is probably the first time I've ever gone anywhere without my mom. It was just the two of us. We went to this ice cream shop, and it would be the first time he ever asked me a uh, question that he asked me every time he saw me, which was, when you grow up, are you going to be a pitcher for the Cubs? Um, I didn't know who the Cubs were at two or three years old, but I quickly learned in that trip to the ice cream shop. But what I remember most was just how much he delighted in me. I remember ice cream dripping everywhere, making this huge mess, and there's this twinkle in his eyes, a smile on his face, and I just felt the delight in him. So even though I've only remembered this event, handful of times in my life, I think that that's really what endeared me to him for the rest of his life. He was born in 1895, he's probably 79 years old at this time, lived to be 106, so I think this, this trip to the ice cream parlor is what endeared me to him for the rest of his life. I love that so much. What a memorable experience. I myself have experienced ice cream as a connector, as a bonding point. My mom shared a wonderful story with me about this. One of my favorite memories when I was little was uh, getting together at the old farm 
that my grandma and grandpa Wells used to own. And the whole family would be there, like a lot of my dad's brothers and sisters and all my cousins. And grandma would always make a cooler full of ice cream. And in that day, the cooler was a crank, you know, the big crank. And they, they didn't have electric ice cream coolers back then. So a bunch of the guys would sit around in a circle around the ice cream cooler. They put an old rug on top of it. And one of us kids would sit on top of the cooler to hold it down and steady while they were cranking. And while they were cranking, they were telling all kinds of stories from the family from when they were kids and stuff like that. And it was just such a delight to hear all these stories. And I'd heard them over and over and over again. The family just loved to be telling all the same stories. Then after it was all done, we, we just had such a blast, like opening it up and scooping some out, putting some chocolate on top of it and eating it. Mmm. So here we are. All of us are probably wishing we had ice cream in front of us. And if you happen to have been so motivated during this episode to actually get ice cream, I salute you. You are my new everyday hero. This episode has been so fun. I want to remember that ice cream is a gift. It is an opportunity to create an experience for and with others. It is a memory maker. And gosh darn it, it tastes fantastic. My hope for you this week is that you will feel true delight in the messiness of the present, in the glory of ice cream, in yourself, and in creating community with others. As Jen said, I would define ice cream really as a unifier, because who doesn't like ice cream? Today's episode is dedicated to my dad, as it's his birthday this week. Happy birthday, Dad, and thanks for bringing ice cream into our family. Thanks to everyone who made this week's episode possible. Thanks to Lisa for the logo, to Mom and Dad, Amanda Bouchard, and Jen Chafin for letting me interview you. To Amanda, Sarah, and Matt LaSalle for calling in. To Tim, Ellie, Hattie, Adrian, Rochelle, Caitlin, Megan, Alexis, Carolyn, Maddie, Delwyn, Ken, Deb, Leslie, Mark, Jane, Lisa, Jen, Nick, and Amanda for telling me your favorite ice cream flavors. And to Lisa, Lisa, Chelsea, Alexis, and Uncle Tom for graciously reviewing my script. And thanks to all my friends on Facebook who commented with your favorite ice cream flavors. You can check out more of what I'm up to by following Here We Are on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Patreon by searching for Here We Are the Podcast. You can send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the storyline at 312-620-0567 and leave me a voicemail with a story about gratitude, which is next week's episode. One of the best things you can do to help me out is to tell your friends about Here We Are. This week, share it with someone you've shared ice cream with before. Until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs>